Welcome to Main Menu for the week of April 20th through April 26, 2012. I'm your host, David Tanner. Glad you could be with us here today on Main Menu, and welcome. Whether you're a returning listener or your first time listening to Main Menu, we are very happy to have you with us here today on Main Menu. We always enjoy hearing your comments, too, and any comments that you might have or suggestions you might have about how we can improve Main Menu, maybe things that you'd like to hear us talk about on Main Menu. We would invite you to get in touch with us. There's a number of ways you can do that. You can do that by coming to the Main Menu page and signing up for the Main Menu Friends mailing list. If you aren't already a member of that mailing list, it's a good place to get in contact with members of the Main Menu staff and other listeners. You can also leave us a comment on Twitter at twitter.com slash mainmenu. Or you could also email us at mainmenu at acbradio.org. However you choose to get a hold of us, we do want to hear from you. And the more we hear from you, the better we can make Main Menu. Today on Main Menu, we continue with the second part of the note-taker panel, and our five note-taker reviewers are back with the second half of the review and panel discussion of the five note-takers that we've been covering over the past several weeks, and they will round up their comments on this week's part of the panel discussion. After that, we have Tim Cummings coming in. Tim is a part of our main menu staff, and Tim is going to be reviewing GW Micro's GW Connect software and talking to us about that and demoing it for us. And then compliments of Sarah Tech and Sarah Talk Network. We are going to get another interview from the CSUN conference, which was just held back the end of February, first part of March. And they are going to be interviewing the folks from GW Micro and talking about Windows 8 and support for Windows 8 that GW Micro is starting to build into their products, particularly into Windowize, and you'll want to hear that. And we thank the people at Sarah Talk for allowing us to re-air that interview. Let's go ahead now and get into our show for today. And you have a great weekend. Have a great spring. Chase, we're back to you. What types of documentation and technical support can you get from the manufacturer of your device for actually using the device and support on ways of learning the device? And I'm going to include in that any tutorials that might be available. Things get a little confusing here because there's two manufacturers depending on whether you have the icon without the Braille display or the Braille Plus with the Braille display. With both, there's context-sensitive help built in. There's a dedicated help button. If you press it, you're taken to the section of the manual related to the application that you're in. If you hold it, there's a key describer. There's an audio tutorial, very well done, and comprehensive audio tutorial built in. 
manuals and things like that are available from tech.aph.org and from levelstar.com. Tech support is available over the phone and through email. There's no annual charge for tech support or anything like that. Okay. Well, you can still get tech support on the Maestro from Humanware at this point. There are audio tutorials for the Maestro that will take you completely through learning every feature of the Maestro. And the onboard help on the Maestro is excellent and very straightforward, very uh, simple and easy to use. They don't use complicated words, which is really nice. And it's easy to use just the help system to learn the device. You don't necessarily even have to have the manual you could basically go through the help in the device once you knew how to get to that and basically learn the whole thing which is pretty nice debbie well and i'd say on the braille note the help is excellent easy to access from anywhere very straightforward very non-technical the manual as i mentioned earlier is easy to access and use right from the menus and you can either search the index and type the first letter of what you're looking for or you can go through the table of contents and I think it would be possible to learn the device just by reading the manual. It might take a little longer, but you can. And then as far as other forms of support, you have the support on the Humanware website, which has FAQs. There are also tutorials that you can get for the Braille Note and... There's software downloads, and of course, there's phone and technical support. That's the support that's available for the Braille Note. Okay. And Mary, how about for the PacMate? When I got my PacMate in 2005, there's a quick start guide in Braille. I don't remember if there was one in print, but there was also a CD that had the manual on it, and you can get a more up-to-date manual online. They have a knowledge base that includes information and stuff about PacMate. There is a podcast called FSCast that occasionally has PacMate information. And, of course, there's phone-in tech support. And But the knowledge base is one thing that I've used occasionally and also reading through the manual. Okay. And, Richard, what about the Sense? With the Sense products, you get a Braille quick start guide. The manual is built into the unit, as well as being available on a documentation CD in several formats. You also have the context-sensitive help. There's also an audio getting started tutorial included with the product. And you do have phone and email technical support available. All right. All right. Chase, we're back to you. Have you ever had to send your unit in for repair? If so, what's about the average amount of time it would take to get the unit back from repair? And then as the final part of that, were you able to get a loaner to use while your unit was in for repair? This is the one area that is really lacking with the icon in the Braille Plus. Some people have never had those break down. Some people have had them break down a lot. I've had mine break down a few times because I use it all the time. There were a lot of issues in the past with manufacturers, not Level Star APHs, but the direct manufacturer basically shutting down. So there were some very, 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 like several months long delays with getting units back 
At this time, there's limited repairs that can be done because of the nature that the product is discontinued. When the Braille Plus was away from me, I was not given a unit to use in the meantime. So that was a major factor that you never knew how long it was going to be away from you. And you had to pay a yearly hardware maintenance agreement. Those are still valid, but I don't think you're going to be able to renew those this coming year. But at this point, every year there is a renewal fee to be able to get repairs. Okay. Well, with the Maestro, I have to say that over the six, almost seven years that I've had a Maestro, and I started out with one of the original HPs and then had it for about four months, and HumanWare switched me over to a Dell, later switched over to a newer Dell, and finally ended up with the newer HP model near the end. And decided I liked the Dell better and went back to it. (laughs) But um, over the six, seven years I've had my Maestro, it's never been, I've never had one in for repair. And can't honestly tell you I know of anybody else that has. I knew a couple of people, including yours truly, who did some dumb things and and maybe had to get some tech support over the phone. But um, other than just doing things that maybe caused things to get erased in memory or get the software screwed up and, and have to reset it back to the original configuration and reinstall the Maestro software, and that you could get done through technical support support and they would walk you through what you needed to do. I can't say that I know of anyone who ever had to get their maestro fixed by having it sent into tech support. So they did not have any kind of uh, SMA or anything that you could buy or no maintenance agreement. So if it needed repair, you would have had to paid for whatever repair needed to be done. That's about the best I can tell you. They know they didn't have a loaner program of any kind either. Debbie? I had to send mine in for repair once into HumanWare, and uh, they did not give me a loaner unit while it was gone. They had it for about, I'd say, a month to five weeks, and they do have a maintenance agreement. Now, this was a while ago when I had to do this. As I recall, I think I did have the agreement at the time. But it was still quite expensive to repair. I had to be without it, like I said, for about a month to five or six weeks. And the things that needed to be repaired were I needed a new battery and the Braille display needed to be cleaned and worked on. Okay. Mary? Well, I only sent mine in once, and that was in 2007 when they changed it to an Omni from a regular Packmate. They only had it for a couple of weeks, and there was no loaner sent to me. They did have a hardware and a software maintenance agreement, two of them, and at the time, I had both of those, so I didn't have to pay anything. All right, and Richard? For me, I have yet to have to uh, send my uh, Sense unit back. It's been working fine, but in speaking to other Sense users before we began this recording to get some more information, I've been told that the turnaround time is very reasonable, a couple weeks, and there is no loaner that the users that I spoke to that they were sent at the time when they had to send their Sense units in, but uh, the turnaround time was not too long at all. All right. All right. And uh, Chase, there are 
a lot of uh, mainstream technologies out there now that are people are using to do a lot of the same things you can do on a note taker now. Uh, is there a particular reason why you have decided to stick with the Braille Plus? If there are other devices you are maybe now you using for part of what you had done with the Braille Plus, if you want to mention those, that's fine too. I guess the first thing I want to say is I'm going to admit that I have an iPhone. I use it all the time. I use a PC and a Mac. So I don't use the Braille Plus for everything. I've kind of talked about some of the reasons why. It's great for what I use it for. With that said, I use an iPhone for a lot of the email just to read it on the go because obviously the Braille Plus doesn't have 3G or any way to get data when you're in the car or somewhere where there's no Wi-Fi. The Braille Plus does basic formatting, bold, underline, italic that kind of thing in the word processor, but if I want to do something really, really formatted as far as a document, I will use a computer. The web browser in the Braille Plus works. It's not the best. It's kind of slow. So if I need to do research and, as I said, write a complex document or do something like an Excel spreadsheet, a PowerPoint presentation, I'll use either a PC or a Mac. And I use my iPhone for listening to music and for doing a lot of email and communication on the go. Okay. Well, I have pretty much switched most of the things that I do over to using them on the iPhone. However, I do still use the GPS part of my Maestro Trekker because I, at this point, feel much more familiar with it and much more comfortable with it. I think that's probably going to change over the next several months as GPS, accessible GPS, gets even better on the iPhone, but who knows. Fortunately, I will say that uh, if you happen to get a Maestro with Trekker, fortunately, the one nice thing about it is, as far as the Trekker end of it, the new maps that will be coming out soon for the Trekker Breeze can also be used in the Trekker that's with the Trekker Maestro. So you can keep your maps right up to date and will be able to even with the 2012 release. So... Other than using the tracker part of it, the uh, thing that I would probably use most with the Maestro now might be still keeping my calendar synchronized on there. And I do do that just in case something would screw up with my calendar on the iPhone. I do back up on the Maestro. Debbie? The thing that I would probably use the Braille Note most for at this point would be the word processor and, uh, of course, also the calculator. That's very convenient. I am finding now since I've had my iPhone and since I've had a few other smartphones that I've tended to prefer to use those devices for the email, web browsing, texting, and even calendar just because it's so easy to sync with Outlook. Okay. And Mary? Well, I like an all-in-one device. I like having a keyboard and a Braille display. I do use the PC for email and for a lot of other things. I also have a Braille Note Apex VT, and I tend to use that a lot in the summer when I'm sitting outside reading a good novel or something. But I still love having a QWERTY keyboard and the PacMate. If I have a file that I need to edit, it requires attention, and I need to pay attention to how it's written and all of that, then I love using QWERTY keyboard with Hackmate. All right. And Richard? 
I think for me, like a lot of other people have said, I also have an iPhone and a, a Braille display and use that for a lot of things like email, especially because one of the weaknesses of the Sense products like the Icon and Braille Plus and others is that there's no IMAP support. So I've kind of switched my email over to that, especially because of the lack of uh, 3G data. I find, though, that the GPS and the Daisy playback, since I don't prefer to use my phone for Daisy playback, and especially since some of the Daisy formats can't be played on the iPhone at this time, like NLS, those are the big two. GPS and the Daisy playback are the big two that the voice sense QWERTY gets used. All right. Okay. Chase. Can you talk to us a bit about the compatibility of the Braille Plus with using it with, say, an iPhone or other devices? And also, if you wanted to synchronize it with the computer, what kinds of things can you synchronize with between your unit and the computer? Since there's no Braille display in the Braille Plus, it's obviously not going to connect up to an iPhone to act as a Braille display. So as far as syncing, it will connect to a PC or a Mac or a Linux computer, pretty much any computer, via USB. There's a mode called Disk Drive Mode that you enter on the Braille Plus, and that allows you to have your computer see the Braille Plus or icon as if it is a big flash drive or another hard drive, and you can just copy and paste files right onto it. There's also a dedicated application called Icon and Braille Plus Sync available from Level Star or APH, and that allows you to sync your calendar and your contacts with Microsoft Outlook. It also allows you to point the program to a specific location where you keep music and have that properly synced directly over to the appropriate location for music on the Braille Plus. All right. Well, as far as the Maestro, the Maestro does have Bluetooth as far and also USB. You can synchronize it with your computer either by Bluetooth or by USB. However, because it doesn't have a Braille display and can't even use a Braille display, you obviously won't synchronize it with a Braille display, but you can Bluetooth to a number of Bluetooth external keyboards or you could Bluetooth to a Bluetooth Braille keyboard. Otherwise, you guess you can synchronize it to your PC using a Active Sync if you're using uh, Windows XP or the mobile device manager if you're using Vista or Windows 7. And you can synchronize and copy files uh, in either direction. You can synchronize your email, your calendar, and your address book with Outlook. Okay. And Debbie? You can, with the computer, you can synchronize... You can copy files either direction. You can synchronize the calendar and the address list. Um, it will connect to an iPhone, although I have not yet had the chance to try that. I think that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. And Mary? I used ActiveSync to link to the PC a couple of times, but I found it very awkward, so I didn't do that. And now with Windows 7, I haven't even tried it at all, but it did work at one point with ActiveSync, and that's still built in. And also, I know that you can sync with Outlook to some degree. I don't know all the ins and outs of how to do that because I don't have Outlook. 
So that's all I know about that one. Okay. Well, I'll help you out a little bit in that my supervisor has PacMate, and he synchronizes his calendar and his email and address book on a regular basis with Windows 7 So, and with Office 2010. So it definitely will do that. Okay. And Richard? In the case of the Sense products, you can synchronize your contacts and calendar with Microsoft Outlook, and you can copy files to and from the PC via USB, making the unit act as a, uh, a drive in Windows Explorer. All right. Uh, Chase, how well is your device equipped to handle some of the newer technologies? And when I say newer technologies, like a fairly new standard would be the wireless in standard and things like uh, HTML5, which is pretty new, and um, some of the other more recent standards. This is one area where the Braille Plus, at least in my opinion, is a little lacking. As I said, I do use it for a lot of things, but it has built-in Wi-Fi. It's only 802.11BG. There's no N. It has Bluetooth. I can't remember the exact Bluetooth number, but it's not the latest Bluetooth. It only supports keyboards and Braille displays. It also does not support HTML5, does not support Flash, does not support basically anything except your basic pages. It will read image labels and things like that, but the browser is a little sluggish, and you can do most of your basic browsing and downloading of files, but nothing fancy, no streaming audio directly in the browser or anything like that. does not do IMAP email. As I said, it uses many SD cards, so it allows you to transfer things, but maybe not in the most current fashion. Okay. Well, I would say on the Maestro... It does have Bluetooth 2.0. No, it doesn't have Bluetooth 3. It um, does have Wi-Fi, but it's only B, G, and A. does not have N. The web browser does not support HTML5. So it's fairly old technology in some ways, but um, if you don't need some of those new technologies, uh, you're fine. Okay, Debbie? As far as the Braille Note is concerned, I know it has Wi-Fi. I don't think, but I'm not absolutely certain, uh, but I don't think it does N. It does A, B, and G as far as I know. And as far as the HTML5, I haven't tried that on it simply because I've just found that it doesn't do well with large web pages anyway. Mary? Well, I know the PacMate does Wi-Fi 802.11b and G. I think in 2007 it was updated to the Omni for G. And you can do Ethernet and Bluetooth, but you've got to have the correct compact flash cards to do that. Richard? For the Sense products, you have Wi-Fi 802.11b and G. No HTML5 support. You also have Ethernet built in. And uh, so that's a nice touch if you want to uh, plug in using an Ethernet cable. Okay. Chase, I'm going to kind of split this question in half to make it a little simpler for you. So we're going to say the first half. Talk about your device's support for NLS for BARD, support for Learning Ally, and also for Bookshare, and any other book types that it would support. The Braille Plus and Icon bookshelf feature, which is what it calls the ability to read books, there's a folder called Library, which it looks in for your books. It will play 
basic files, text files, BRF, BRL, RTF, HTML, DOC, all those basic ones. It also plays books from NLS Bard. It plays Learning Ally books if you have the key, just like NLS, you have to have a key. If you activate it, it can also play books from audible.com. And as I said, if you want to play Bookshare books, you can either download them yourself from your PC or you can use that Bookshare search utility that I talked about a little while ago. Okay. All right. On the Maestro, you can read the books from Reading Ally, and you can read books from Bookshare, both on the Maestro and other Daisy books. The Maestro will not read books from Audible, and uh, I know the Braille Plus, I believe, also reads books from Audible, I believe. Debbie? The Braille Note will read books from NLS Bard, Learning Ally, Bookshare, also Web Braille. That's about it. Okay. Mary? I've primarily used it to read books from Web Braille. I doubt that it would read anything from Bard because Bard wasn't around at the time. It might read books from Learning Ally. I'm not sure. I've never had to use it for any of that. Yes, it will. Okay. It will read books from Learning Ally, and it will read Bookshare books. All right. And Richard? Okay. The Sense products will allow you to listen to books from NOS Bard, as well as Bookshare and Audible.com. You also have the same basic uh, you know, text, and RTF, and DOC, and BRF, and BRL, but no Learning Ally support. And by the way, the Braille Note will read books from Audible.com as well. Okay. All right. And Chase, we are down to the last part of this question, which is what music types, files, and what document types of files will your unit handle? The Braille Plus will play, uh, as far as music, it can do MP3, WAV, OGG, and FLAC, F-L-A-C. For documents in the word processor, it will do... DOC, DOC, it does not do DOCX, it does BRF, BRL, TXT, you can do HTML, I think. You have to rename the files, however. You can't directly save, but you can't open those and edit them. RTF and TXT, if I didn't already say those. Mm -hmm. It also has a proprietary format called LDF, or Level Star Document Format, uh, which is basically a file that only Icon and Braille Plus can open, and it allows you to have both plain text and grade 2 Braille in the same file. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, on the Maestro, music file-wise, you can do WAVE or MP3 are the only music file types that it really handles well. It will do WMA as long as they're not protected files. It won't do any MP3 WAVE or WMA files if they have any kind of protection to them. Document file types that it will use are portable Word files, so it will use those. If you try to put a doc file on it from Word, it will change it to a portable doc file before it puts it on the machine so that it can read it. And so if you create a portable doc file on the device, it will then, when you transfer it to the computer, it'll change it back to a Word file. Other file types it'll do, it'll take a RTF, it'll do BRL and BRF. It can read both of those and a text file. 
Debbie? And I'll start with the word processor since that's the freshest in my mind. It has its own format, KWB for keyword braille, KWT for keyword text, and you can convert those into RTF, TXT, BRL, BRF. It will read all of those and it won't do a DOCX, but you can copy an older Microsoft Word document format to it. And then as far as audio, it does MP3, WAV. And if I remember correctly, I can't say that I know all the formats that it will do, but I think it will also do unprotected WMA. All right. Mary? I think it essentially does all the older format of music files, although I haven't really used it for music that much. It'll do email, but I suspect it will not do SSL secured email because that's more recent than when the PacMate came out. It does do the usual BRF and doc files, but not DOCX files, and it will do RTF and text. All right. And Richard? For the Sense products, for your text file formats, you have TXT, BRF, BRL, DOC, and DOCX, unprotected EPUB, and PDF. Now, that's not PDFs, of course, that are images, but PDFs with text, uh, the unit will read those. As far as audio formats, more popular ones I think people will know include MP3, WAVE, unprotected Windows Media, AUG, FLAC, M4A. Those are the files, for example, you would get from iTunes, and uh, those will all play fine in the uh, music player. All right. And Chase, final question is, in conclusion, what would be some of your final comments you would want to make about the Braille Plus and why somebody might be interested in using it as a note taker? Well, I guess for my comments as far as the Braille Plus, a few things I left out. When you save a file in the word processor, you can have it export it as a PDF file. You cannot open those, however you can create them. It has support for network printers over Wi-Fi, but you cannot connect a printer directly. The bookshelf will handle unprotected EPUB, and I think that's about it. I think we've kind of gone over all of it here. For a main menu standpoint conclusion, since I'm producer, I just wanted to say that it's been a lot of fun. I think for all of us here tonight, we've had a lot of fun putting this together for all of you. We've had a lot of fun working together to get all these segments done as well as this panel. We hope that it's kind of clarified for all of you which device does what and which device is best for you, as well as why do or don't you need a note taker instead of just a mainstream device. And we hope you've had a great time and learned a lot from listening to our note taker coverage over the last month or two. And if you have feedback, we would love to hear from you in all the ways that David usually tells you. Maestro, well, let me put it this way. If it were a device that I was looking at today, and if I had limited funds, the Maestro is very accessible. It's very easy to learn. There are a lot of great new devices out there, like the iPhone that several of us have mentioned that we have and use, that have great features, excellent accessibility, but aren't going to be nearly as easy to use or learn to use as the Maestro. Uh, I think that's one of the big things it has going for it. It really, if you use the tutorials that you can download from the Humanware page and so forth, you could find it very easy to learn. I'm sure you could find used units at various places, maybe eBay, maybe Line Bargains, and some other places you could, you might be able to find it at a very reasonable price and when I say very reasonable I would say 
you know, today you might be able to find a maestro maybe in the uh, five $600 range maybe. If you are looking for something that has just speech output, if that'll work for you, then it's certainly something worth taking and considering. Debbie? If you are a Braille user or if you just want to be able to take notes, have everything on one device, you're not necessarily interested in all of the features that you have with devices like the iPhone or the iPad, and you want a simple, easy-to-learn, easy-to-use interface, then I would say that the Braille Note or the Voice Note would definitely be the way to go. Uh, There are also some other things that I didn't mention earlier. It does have games. It does have a radio. And as we mentioned, there is a built-in media player, and there's also a little voice memo feature. It's just a very easy to learn, easy to use device if you just want to be able to export Braille documents to Microsoft Word, that's easily done. And those are the reasons that I would recommend the Braille note. All right, Mary. Well, I'm a Braille user also, and the one thing I love about the PacMate that I didn't mention is that you can with one of the buttons on the Braille display, instantly convert and toggle between grade one and grade two Braille. So if you've got a text file that you want to keep the format of, but at the same time you want to read in grade two because it might be faster, then that's a wonderful feature. The calculator, FS Calc that Freedom Scientific put in there is superb. And also the text editor, FS Edit that they put in there because it works both with text files and with RTF files. It's a great device to have. I just really appreciate the fact that I've had it for this long and it hasn't broken. Okay. And Richard? First of all, I have to say that this has been uh, a lot of fun and I hope that everybody has enjoyed all the uh, note-taker coverage that we've had here on Main Menu over the past several weeks. I think that if one is looking for a small, easy-to-use, but yet powerful device, that the Sense products are definitely worth looking into. A couple of things I don't think I mentioned before. You do have a USB host port that you can plug in thumb drives and also an SDHC card slot that supports uh, the full SD up to 32 gigs for expandable storage. I really just think that the Sense products have a lot to offer and are uh, definitely uh, worth looking into if you want something that's small and uh, powerful with a lot of great features. All right. Well, thank you, panel, for coming together and getting all of this great information out to our users. And we'll now look forward to hearing back from our listeners on their response and if they have any questions about the devices that we haven't covered hopefully they'll send us that information either by uh, logging onto the web page and sending us message there if you're on the main menu friends mailing list you can always send us questions there and then also those of you on twitter could even tweet us a message and we'll uh, get your message and we'll get back to the experts here and uh, have them come up with some answers for us. And there's also just the plain old regular email address mainmenu at acbradio.org Alright. Hi there, Main Menu listeners. This is Tim Cummings, and today I'm here to talk to you about GW Connect, which is the new name for GW Skype, which is the new accessible interface that GW Micro has for Skype users. I'll be mentioning GW Skype and GW Connect 
interchangeably in this presentation. So if I mention either one, they're both referring to GW Connect. And for anybody who's been a longtime user of Skype, you know that after about version 3.8, the accessibility of Skype really became questionable. After that version, in version 4 and version 5, unless you had set files from GW Micro or scripts from Freedom Scientific, you had a tough time really keeping up with Skype accessibility. Uh, at the end of Last year, Skype came out with a Skype developer program kit, which they allowed other developers to use to set up their own accessible interfaces to Skype. And so GW Micro has now come out with a access very accessible interface for Skype, which they call GW Connect, which is available on their website. If you go to gwmicro.com and go to App Central, you can do a search and find it. The nice thing about this new interface is that no matter how much Skype changes in the future, this interface will stay the same. When you first run the program, if you're a Windows user, you'll get an initial nag message which says, thank you for using GW Connect. If you're a non-Windows user, if you're using JAWS or NVDA or System Access, you'll get a similar NAG message, and then you'll get that same NAG message about every uh, 30 minutes when you run the program. This message is advertising that GW Micro uses to support the cost of giving away the program for free. GW Connect is up to version 1.4 at this point. I'm actually running the initial, still running the initial GW Skype, the initial version. I'm on my desktop now, and I'm going to launch GW Skype. G GW Skype 10 of 59. And I'm going to hit enter here. GW Skype 10 of 59. App starting. GW Skype. No selected item list view. Logging in. Logged in online arrow. Okay, so it just logged me in. When you first run the program, it'll ask you for your Skype name and password, and you can just put them in. If you're not a Skype user, if you've never used Skype before and you're running GW Connect, what, of course, you can do is that there's an area where you can go sign up for Skype and sign up with a username and password and so forth. The only thing is now Skype uh, has implemented a CAPTCHA, so you're going to have to have some way of being able to access the CAPTCHA, either with sighted assistance or with some other form of experience accessibility in order to sign up for Skype. We're now logged on to GW Skype and the first thing when you open up the program for GW Skype or now is now is known as GW Connect, it puts you in your contacts list. If you up and down arrow through the contacts, it'll tell you the, the contacts list. Echo sound test service status online one to four. That's the contact that you can call. That's if you want to make a test call to check and see if your Skype is working or not. Nor enable status online two or four. And if uh, I'm just arrowing down here through my Skype Rob Bender status away three uh, four. Vinny status away four four. What I want to do first is I want to quickly just go through the menus here and just kind of show you the kind of things that you can do with GW Connect. There's a menu bar across the top. From left to right, you have a Skype menu. Status menu, view menu, contacts menu, call menu, help, and system. So I'm going to just quickly go through those. So initially, we're in the Skype menu. I'm going to hit my Alt key. Skype has pulled down. So that's the Skype menu, and I'm going to down arrow, and we'll go through some of these options to just show you what they are. Sign out as control N. There's obviously a sign out button, so you can sign out of Skype. Set mood text, M dialog. Set mood text. This is the text that, that you'll see sometimes. It's kind of similar to the, the old tagline text that you'd find at the end of uh, messages. Edit profile, E dialog. This is to edit your profile. This is to go in and edit your own uh, particular Skype information. Change password, W dialog. Change password. Conversations, C control O dialog. Conversations, this will just show you a list of the most recent uh, conversations that you've had on Skype. Voicemails, V control I dialog. You can go here if you want to 
read any voicemails that you received. And of course, a reminder that you can't, uh, you don't have access to Skype voicemail unless you have signed up for a Skype out minutes. Recent events, our control, our dialogue. Recent events. Options, O control P dialogue. We're going to, we'll get to the options a little bit later on in this presentation. Save settings B control S. And then there's a save settings menu. Exit Excel F4. Sign out as control. Set mood text. M so now let me go over into the next menu. If I hit the Alt key and arrow over here, right arrow. Status T pull down. Now this is the status menu. What your Skype status shows is it lets other Skype users know what your status is in terms of your online status. So let me go through these here. Online O control unchecked. We are online. And of course, these all have, as you can hear, these all have shortcut keys. So I, my status is now online. Away control two. There's a way. Do not disturb D Do control not three. disturb. Invisible I control four. Invisible. Offline F control zero. Offline. Online O control unchecked. And back to online again. Let me go over to, right arrow over to the next menu. All contact cell. View V pull down. Now we're in the view menu, and the view menu determines what types of Skype contacts you want to actually see. So if we arrow, if we up and down arrow through this menu here, all contacts L. There's all contacts. That will show you your all your Skype contacts plus your Skype out contacts. Skype out contacts are any contacts that you set up where you want to call regular telephones as well as other Skype users on computer. So Skype contacts S. Skype contacts, of course, is is your traditional contacts on Skype. Skype out contacts, oh. Skype out contacts, anyone who you've set up for calling phone numbers. If you want to call somebody, if you want to call regular telephones or cell phones on Skype. Online contacts unchecked. Online contacts checked. So these are the ones that are checked right now. These are the Skype contacts that I can actually view at the moment. Unknown contacts, you. Unknown. Recently contacted contacts are. Recently contacted. Contacts waiting my authorization, W. Contacts waiting my authorization. When somebody requests that you add them to your Skype contacts list, they send you a little message asking you to authorize them to be added to your list, and that's where you find the list of these Skype users awaiting your authorization. Contacts authorized by me, I. Contacts blocked by me, B. Ungrouped contacts, G. External contacts X, all contacts L, contacts C, pull down. Okay, this is the contacts menu. Let's take a look at this. Call selected contacts C, control L. Call selected contact is control L. That's a hotkey that you can use within Skype to uh, make a call. Call custom contact, you control U, dialog. Call custom contact. Uh, if you know the person's Skype name and you, and you just want to make the call without going through the list, you can either type in their Skype name, or if it's a case of a phone number, you can type in the phone number if you have it set up to do that. Leave voicemail, V control V dialog, view profile, W dialog. View profile. This will allow you to, to view a particular person's Skype profile. Chat. T control T dialog. This will allow you to use the chat function of Skype where you can actually send written messages back and forth. Send file. F dialog. This is the send file dialog where you can send a file to somebody who's who you are speaking with on Skype. Search for contact. S control F dialog. This is to search for a new contact, and you can just do a control F, and uh, it'll open up a dialog box, and you can either search by Skype name or email address or full name in order to find somebody on Skype. Add Skype out contact. K control K dialog. Add Skype out contact. This allows you to add a phone number for somebody if you if you have Skype out capabilities. Delete contact. Detail dialog. Block contact. B control B dialog. Authorize contact. Z dialog. Call selected contact C control L. Call a pull down. We've got the call menu next here. Hang up H control H disabled. Control H does a hang up. Mute microphone M control M disabled. Mute microphone is control M. I never 
uh, actually really use this control. Drop from conference D control D disabled. Drop from conference. This is if you're if you've got two people on Skype with you at one time, uh, you can hang up on one of the individuals that you're speaking with and still keep the call going with the other person. It's very easy to make a conference call with GW Connect. Let's say you you've got two other people that you want to call. So if you arrow down through your list of contacts, hit enter on the first contact, call that person. Once that person answers, then you can arrow down to the next contact and hit enter on that and it will call the second person and just automatically add them to the call. Hang up H, control H disabled. Menu closed. The next menu Skype here. Snap, help H, pull down. There's a help menu. View documentation VF1. Where you can view documentation. Check for updates. See Check dialogue. for updates. Visit website W. Visit the website. About GW Skype, a dialogue. And there's about menu. And then, of course, the final menu is that there's a system menu, menu here. System pull down. Restore R disabled. Move M. Size S. Minimize N. Maximize X. Okay. Now let's just let's down. make a test call just to just to see if this working. So I'm back in my uh, contacts list here, and I'm going to arrow down. Echo Sound Test Service Status Online Two Five to the Echo, echo Sound Test Service to the Echo Sound Test Service. I can do a Control L here to make the call, or I can also hit the Enter key uh, to do that. Calling Echo Sound Test Service. Call started. Hello, welcome to Skype Call Testing Service. After the beep, please record a message. Afterwards, your message will be played back to you. This is Tim Cummings, and I'm testing my Skype to see if it's working. This is Tim Cummings, and I'm testing my Skype to see if it's working. If you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. If you hear this message, but not your own voice, then something is wrong with your audio recording settings. Please check your microphone and microphone settings or visit Skype.com for more help. Thank you for using the Skype call testing service. Goodbye. Call ended. Okay, so it automatically ended the call there. And as you can tell, though, it, it did work fine in terms of um, making the test. And if I wanted to hang up on that call or hang up on a call, I could have used either the uh, Control-H key for hang up or the Alt-Page-Down key. Alt-Page-Down and Alt-Page-Up for answering uh, calls, which were available in the original Skype program as well. So the final menu I want to go through here is the Options uh, menu, which I mentioned earlier in the presentation. The quickest way to get to this menu is using the control P, which I will do. P. So now we're in the options menu, and we're in the first uh, tab, general tab control one. which is the general tab. And so we're going to tab down and go through some of these different options here. Minimize GW Skype to the notification area on startup checkbox unchecked. Right now this is unchecked, but what you can do if you want to have uh, Skype in your sys tray, as opposed to being on your desktop, you can set it up that way. Minimize GW Skype when escape is pressed checkbox unchecked. And same thing here. You can press the escape, and it will do the same thing. It will put Skype in your in your system tray. Put GW Skype in the notification area when minimize checkbox unchecked. Check for updates when GW Skype starts checkbox checked. Uh, this allows you to check for updates when uh, GW Skype or GW Connect starts up, and uh, I have this checked. Automatically log in when program starts checkbox checked. Automatically log in when the program starts. I have this checked as well. Show and read conversations when program starts checkbox checked. Show and Red conversations. Warn before blocking and deleting contacts. Checkbox checked. When I press enter on the contact, place a call radio button. Check two or three. Okay, it says when I press enter on a contact, place a call radio button. Checked two of three. Now there's two other options here that I just want to quickly go through. If I arrow up. 
When I press enter on the contact, open a chat window radio button, check one of three. Open a chat window. If you set this to that option, when you press enter on a contact, it'll open a chat window and you give you a choice that you can either chat with the person or make a voice call. When I press enter on the contact, do nothing radio button, check three of three. And the third option is when I press enter on, on, enter on a contact, do nothing. I leave this at option number two here. When I press enter on the contact, place a call radio button, check two of three. So I just air it up to there. Default country code United States combo box 226 of 240. Now, this is very nice. This is, uh, it says default country code United States. This is if you're using Skype to call telephones. It knows that you're in the United States by default, so it makes the call accordingly. When you enter the person's phone number to call, you just have to put in the area code that you're, that you're using. So it's very nice. Okay button. Cancel. General tab. So the next menu here, if I right arrow over. Speech 2 of 7 is the speech menu. I'll quickly go through that. Speak program generated messages checkbox checked. Speak program generated messages. Speak user status changes checkbox checked. Speak status changes. And of course, GW Connect will speak all these messages if you wanted to. Speak incoming and outgoing chat messages checkbox checked. Always speak using SAPI 5 checkbox unchecked. Always speak using SAPI 5 checkbox unchecked. You can either have it speak uh, using your regular speech synthesizer or a sappy synthesizer, either one. I have it set to using my regular synthesizer, which in this case is eloquence. Okay, button. Message log three of seven. Now, this is the message log. I'll quickly go through this. This is menu three. Show timestamps checkbox checked. Okay, button. Hotkeys four of seven. Hotkey answer call combo box one to four. These hotkeys are available globally. These can be used even when you're not in uh, Skype. If you're in another program, you can use these, these following hotkeys. So alt page up. Reject call two of four. Value alt page down red only edit box. Alt page down is the hot key for reject a call or basically hang up. Show IGW Skype 3 of 4. Show or hide GW Skype. Value alt control home red only edit box. Is alt control home. Mute unmute microphone 4 of 4. And mute, unmicro- mute or unmute the microphone. Value alt end red only edit box. Is the alt end key. So hot, those hot are the four that are initially set up. Files 5 of 7. And we now we're into the files menu here, which is uh, the fifth uh, tab over. Received files, location, C documents, and settings, Tom, my documents, received files, combo, edit box. Browse, dialog, but OK button. And Tell GW Connect where you want to have the files sent if somebody's sending you a file. Sound 6 of 7. And we are now in the sounds menu. Select the sound sign in combo box 1 of 10. There's a combo box here. These are the different sounds that GW Micro will play to you depending on what you're doing. There's a sign-in mess- sign in sound. Sign out 2 of 10. Sign out. Incoming call 3 of 10. Incoming. I'm just going down through the combo box Outgoing here. call 4 of 10. Outgoing. Answer call 5 of 10. Answer call. Hang up 6 of 10. Hang up. Incoming message 7 of 10. Outgoing message 8 of 10. Incoming request 9 of 10. Contact online 10 of 10. So, for example, in- if we in- go hour up here sign in one of 10. to the sign-in sound, play button, and I can play this. That's the sound that GW Connect comes with. If you don't like any of these sounds, you can change them. Uh, you can just put in your own uh, WAV files if you want to do that. Devices 7 of 7. And we are finally down to the devices uh, tab here. Default input device SDX by audio 1000 combo box 1 of 2. Uh, this basically tells you which sound card you're going to use with GW Connect. I have two sound cards on this machine, but it's it's using my default one, which is my Sound Blaster card. Default output device SDX by audio 1000 combo box 1 of 2. Default output device. Default sound device SDX by audio 1000 combo box 1 of 2. And the default sound device, which is the, the device that it plays this sounds through. Okay, so. button. GW Skype Tim Cumming. Uh, that's basically pretty much most of what GW Connect does. GW Connect does not support video at this point. It will later on. At the moment, it does not. It also doesn't support 
third-party recording programs like MX Skype Recorder and um, some other programs that work with the native Skype program. So if you'd want to record a call, you'd need to use something like Goldwave or Total Recorder or Studio Recorder in order to record your calls. You can't set up voicemail through GW Connect at this point. So if you need to set up voicemail, you would need to use the original uh, Skype in order to do that. You can have GW Connect and the regular Skype on your system at the same time. You just can't run them at the same time. So you have to uh, run one, one or the other. GW Connect is a very accessible interface for Skype. It's something that's long overdue and something that I'm very happy with and it is uh, totally free. Take a look at it. For Main Menu, this is Tim Cummings. Live from San Diego at CSUN 2012, I'm Ricky Inger for the Saratog Podcast Network. And with me, I have Doug Joffrey from GW Micro. Hello, Doug. Hi, Ricky. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk window eyes and various other GW Micro stuff. Speaking of window eyes, uh, why don't you give us a brief update? Uh, 7.5. Three is the latest Windows version, is that correct? Right, 753 came out uh, early February, I think February 9th we released that. Its main thing, it's a maintenance release, it's a free upgrade to any 75 user. So if you've got 75 or newer, it's a free upgrade. You should be told about it automatically when Windows launches. But again, stability was the, the main reason for this, just fixing some issues that we have been uh, found, people have been telling us about. We've also got support for Windows Live Mail. So that's now fully supported with 753. Um, native QT support. So if you've got applications that are using this QT technology, which basically are these widgets that you, application developers can put in their applications like buttons and checkboxes and things like that. It's just a, the name of that technology that they're using. We, in the past, had a little app that would be used to support those. Now it's built into Windowize, so you don't need an app to be able to support those. Some of the apps like VirtualBox, Accessible Kindle, Re- Kindle Reader from Amazon, Tap and Radio, those things are all using QT, and there's quite a few more. And um, Humanware just added some Braille Edge support for their, for their new Braille display that they've got. So those are, there's, we have a, a readme that goes through and, and lists all the things in agonizing detail of all the changes, but those are some of the big highlights that 753 has with it. Good deal. When you're feeling a little sleepy, you can go check out those release <laughs> notes. <laughs> or when, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> or on, perhaps on the plane ride home from CSUN if you're here. One of the biggest things that has happened during the CSUN conference is the release of the consumer preview for Windows 8. And of course, everyone is asking, who's going to support Windows 8? How are you doing with Windows 8? What do you think about Windows 8? So, Doug, uh, how are we doing with Window Eyes <laughs> and Windows 8? Well, we've been working with Microsoft for some time to make sure that Windows 8 is going to become accessible when it is finally released. So back in, I don't know when it was, maybe October-ish or November-ish or sometime in there, we actually went out to Microsoft, spent a week with them to go over some of the new technologies. For example, I don't want to get too techy, but they've they've dropped support for mirror drivers under Windows 8. Yes. That's not just accessibility mirror drivers, that's mirror drivers across the board. Well, we happen to be using those. So they came up with a new technology that we can use that's similar but different. And so we had to go out to Microsoft to learn how to do that and create the actual driver, and we had it actually talking that same week when we were out there. And then we have since been able to work with some builds. Uh, we weren't able to take anything back with us from Microsoft because it's, they've been very locked down on Windows 8. And so we had to wait for the build conference at the end of November. Then they released a version that we could finally start working with in the office and playing with that. And then we're able to get a couple, uh, like every two weeks, we get a new build and things. So we've been working with it to tweak it up and get things working. We've got basically all of Windows 8 working okay. 
It's just there's a lot of things that we can polish and make things work better. The whole new start menu approach that they've got now, yes. they really have a, a start screen that comes up as opposed to a start menu now that came up and just having to be able to deal with some of that new UI. All legacy apps still work as they always did. So really we're kind of putting more work into this new Metro UI that they have where developers now are creating these little apps that go up on Windows 8. I guess bottom line, the whole Windows 8 operating system, Microsoft kind of took the approach of trying to make one operating system to work on all platforms, whether it be a tablet of some sort, mobile devices, or even the desktop. And uh, so we're, we're kind of having to deal with some of all three of those technologies for the first time with window eyes, having to try to come up with ways of being able to handle all those. So right now we're focusing mainly on the desktop environment, using keyboard approach and that type of thing. Right, I think everyone's biggest concern has been the Metro UI because it's such a big change and uh, everybody is wondering, you know, is my screen reader going to work with this? How are you feeling in terms of how Metro UI is coming along with window eyes support? Are there lots of gotchas or is it a little smoother sailing than you thought? Uh, it's getting smoother as we play with it more. Uh, Jeremy did a presentation this morning, uh, an actual CSUN presentation, and talked about it for an hour and it, it went very well. So you certainly can navigate around it. We're still working with Microsoft to try to come up with better approaches so that we can do things more efficiently. There's still some issues that they've got. I mean, we could hack around it with window eyes. We could give you a keystroke to, for example, go virtually through all of the items, all of the um, icons or all of the tiles that are up on the start screen. Mm -hmm. But we really think Microsoft ought to have a keystroke to do that. Or some of the tiles can be different sizes that are on the start screen, which causes problems as you navigate around. But for example, one of the Microsoft guys was at Jeremy's presentation, came up afterwards and said, hmm, I think we can do something about that. So we're st this is all in flux yet. So I feel when it's released, I think it's going to be very good. And I think it's fantastic that there is such a positive dialogue between AT companies and Microsoft so that uh, things work out better for everyone. Oh, absolutely. And they've, they've certainly been putting out as, as much as they can. They've certainly been much more secretive about Windows 8. Even within Microsoft, there were only a handful of people that knew everything about Windows 8. You only knew what you had to know at Microsoft. And so it, it's been frustrating with that respect, but the most sure. that they can, they've been working very, very well with us. We're definitely looking forward to uh, taking a look at Windows 8, and I know a lot of the listeners are going to want to be downloading the consumer preview as well. I'd like to thank you for sharing uh, the information on GW Micro's progress with it. Anything else you'd like to share before we go? Um, some people are asking about where we're going with, with Window Eyes, and uh, the next major release is, is going to be Windows Window Eyes 8.0, and that, of course, um, will have Windows 8 support in it. But we're also going to be working much more with our web support, so definitely working with ARIA. We've been working on this for some time, so we want to make sure that we get full ARIA support, HTML5 support, redoing the way that we handle browse mode now, and also be able to handle Java Access Bridge so we can handle Java applications, things like that. So those are some of the big ticket items that are going to be coming out with Windows 8. And then additionally, for people who are curious about Windows 8, we're going to post that presentation on our website, either via YouTube or audio as well. So if uh, people are interested in hearing about that, they'll be able to go and, and listen to the presentation from CSUN today. We'll look forward to that. That was uh, Jeremy Curry also from GW Micro. And uh, of course, for those who want to learn more about all things GW Micro, be it low vision or blindness uh, products, gwmicro.com would be the website. Any other contact information you'd like to provide? You can email us at support, S-U-P-P-O-R-T, at gwmicro.com or call us at 260-489-3671.
Very good. Thank you, Doug and Jeremy, for joining me on the Sarah Talk Podcast Network. You're welcome. Thank you. That's going to conclude our show for today. Thank you very much for being with us today on Main Menu. On behalf of myself, Chase Crispin, our executive producer, and the Main Menu staff, we wish you a great week, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu.